This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz 1170 stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. All right, welcome back. It's 5.07 here on the Blitz 1170. That was Dusty Dvorak earlier. Joining us via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Hotline. And now in studio is the one, the only, Mr. John Holcomb. Hey, John. What's going on, man? I, you know, I'm doing all right, Pop. I, I like the, uh, what, what'd you, what did you call it? The the COVID Casa and Coita? Is that is that what you called it <laughs> earlier COVID, today? The, uh, COVID, well, maybe it's uh, Casa. Matt, I can't even remember. Like, I'm still, like, foggy brain I, from everything that's that's happened so far. So I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> Cabana, because I would have given you crap for saying Cabana. Cabana? Who says Cabana? <laughs> Colby's going to come that's back. awesome. And he's going to start saying Cabana. <laughs> we, we could yeah, only he hope. might. <laughs> even though I've seen the pictures, he might not come back. No, and I, quite I don't. frankly, I don't know if I blame him. I'd, I'd say, I almost retweeted that and just said, I'd stay. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so, very much so. We could be on the hunt for another afternoon host here after he decides <laughs> to uh, make that his uh, his future residence. So, John, um, because I got sick this weekend, we I, I love being able to take the, the kid to, to see Santa. So we have a five-year-old, and uh, we put that responsibility on Grandma today. And be like, hey, you know, Mom's still got to work. Dad's still kind of doing his radio show, plus – um, he can't go in anyway, so can you take uh, the kiddo to go see Santa? And the first picture I get back, they went to Utica to see Santa. First picture I get back is not of her with Santa, but of my daughter, who's all of five, standing in front of a a Porsche SUV with her saying, Daddy, I want this car when I grow up. <laughs> so I'm like, thanks, Mom. I really appreciate that, right? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Keep. You know what they say about wishing in one hand and see what happens well, sure, in the other. Sure. So, I mean, listen, yeah, sure. I, we'll see. I I think that you should be proud because I mean, let's face it. She could have found a '78 beat up Pinto and said the same thing, and then you'd be like, well, maybe we need to have that goal setting talk a little sooner than I thought. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean the bar is set incredibly high now with the uh, mm-hmm. with the Porsche. So that's that's fine. Yeah. Porsche. That, that's the proverbial carrot yes. way out of the stick that you're never going to reach. There is no doubt. I mean, I work in radio for crying out loud, so we think we're good. Um, little uh, little early game tomorrow afternoon, huh? Yes, the uh, the 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 aptly named getaway game. Which uh, you know, I did see. I, I did see Doug Gottlieb just tweet this about getaway games being tricky, because uh, especially when he was at OSU, because Coach Sutton would always threaten them, and he's not the only coach to do this. That if they didn't play well, he wasn't going to let them go home, and then most of the team already had their plane <laughs> tickets ready to go home. Uh, but they, you know, there there is that sort of motivation that guys usually dig down deep enough and find it within themselves to perform at a good enough level that it's not going to jeopardize the few days off before you come back. But yeah, it's and Texas A&M Corpus Christi has been this opponent before. I think it was well six years ago. Similar situation. Cowboys played well and they won, and everybody uh, went their separate ways for a few days. What uh, stood out to you from the performance over Wichita State on Saturday night? It would have to be the offensive execution. The you know when you look at the stat sheet and you see 
19 made field goals, and you look over in the assist column, and you've got 14 assists on 19 made field goals. That That is that's pretty efficient offense, and it's something that hasn't been there on a regular basis for this team up to this point this season. You could point to the second half against Tulsa when they did a really nice job of that. You can point to the Sunday afternoon game against Oakland up north of Detroit where they just carved up the Golden Grizzlies on the offensive end. And so they, they've proven now that, that they can do this uh, more than just a one-off sort of situation. The challenge now is make it a regular part of what you're doing because that's the way that you're going to give yourself a lot of chances to win games in the Big 12. And let's face it, too, that as good as that execution was for most of the game, things still got dicey down the stretch. And it was a low-scoring game. I think we all thought that would be the case. Both teams very good defensively. But, uh, you know, when they had to get it done, they made free throws. They kept enough of an arm's length from the Shockers, and it was a it was a much-needed win. I, I don't know. We stopped just short of calling it a must-win, but when you look at the big picture and what you want to accomplish, where you want to be in March, you know, playing in a regional somewhere, then that's one you could not afford to lose, and so they were able to play pretty well and, and get the victory. Well, I think it, it goes back overall to more along the lines of just consistency, right, because – um, I wouldn't necessarily put that word next to what the non-conference schedules look like so far. It's just been all over the place, right, with with how they've performed up one time and then down the next. And there's been a couple of those that have, have really really seemed to kind of uh, linger a little bit on, on some of them. So to be able to add this one together, maybe you get Corpus Christi uh, tomorrow there in the getaway game, then go away for a little bit and come back for a massive game against Kansas. And by the way, Bill's team's really good again yeah. <laughs> after yeah. their performance over the weekend. But if you can just build some consistency heading into conference play, that's got to at least make you feel better compared to the roller coaster ride that was. One of the things that you, you try to do uh, <clears throat> in college basketball in the non-conference, if you're a team like OSU, is you try to schedule you, – you'd, you'd prefer to be able to ramp it up to get yourself to where you're playing better against better competition before you – know, you can't always do that, especially with a getaway game. You know, they're, they're the guarantee stuff, and, and you know, you're going to find who you can. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, so you want – but you want to see a lot of different styles too. And my goodness, they've seen a lot of different styles of, of – play from different teams and the one thing out of all of this that you can look at and go okay well we saw southern illinois and the way that they play you know solid mid-major with experienced guards and there if if you make it to the ncaa tournament then there could be a oh maybe a little bit greater than expected chance that you're going to play a team that plays a similar style to that so at least you can point back to that and say all right this is what we allowed to happen in that game and here's how we combat that you know one of those things Um, and you can look at this non-conference so far and you can say legitimately now I mean your record is what it is so you lost those games but you should really be sitting there nine and two instead of seven and four I mean you can say you know you could you could stretch it and say ten and one if you if you are able to execute down the stretch in Brooklyn against Virginia Tech. But Virginia Tech's playing really good basketball, and they're a solid team. The only game that you really got thumped was was UConn. I mean, you, you, you let Southern Illinois beat you on your home floor. 
You did not play well in the offensive end in the second half late against UCF, and yet you still had an alley-oop that might have been a game-ending dunk, and you win that game. You know, so so you can look at those things and say, well, we're we're better than our record indicates, and yeah, you you could you could definitely make a case for that. But again, you go back to okay, what is your record? Well, it's seven and four. And so that's that's who you are right now. But um, I think I think that uh, Saturday night, you, you hopefully point back to that and say, OK, this is where we really started turning the page to be a more consistent team. And then you're going to play all these teams in the Big 12 that don't necessarily scheme for you. They just do what they do. I mean, that's kind of yeah. the way the league has been. And so that could open up some things for you. So Mike Boynton had said uh, earlier in the week that they were going to allow John Michael Wright the opportunity, right, to try to facilitate a little bit more going forward, basically. Uh, He did get that opportunity um, to run the offense a little bit uh, more on this past Saturday night. Now, you look at that and probably go, okay, he didn't set the world on fire in terms of assists, but this is basically just trying to take a lot of the pressure off of Thompson, off of Anderson. and I mean, if you you're essentially bringing uh, John Michael Wright into campus because he's a he's a three point shooter, and he did that the other night. So how did you think that he ended up coming out from Saturday evening? Uh, he he should come out of it with a lot of confidence. And and Dave has the stat. It's you're, you're tied. Your wins and losses have been tied, not solely to your point guard's production. Their numbers on offense, but it's it's uh, you can you can see where the nights that John Michael struggles from the field or doesn't score much for whatever reason, those are the nights that you've either lost the game or you've been in a really tight one at the end. And when he's produced the way that he did, I think he ended up with 16 points the other night and made some threes and shot it confidently and didn't take quick shots. Um, and you see what happens when when he's able to do that. I think as much as anything else, you know, he is. I mean, let's, you know, they've, they've spent a few months together now, right? But he hasn't been through the Big 12 wars yet. And he's he's not in the same exact role that he was in at High Point, where what did High Point need John Michael Wright to do? They needed him to score, and they didn't necessarily care how many shots he took to get it because right. he was a lot of their offense. It's not really the same role with OSU. But what he could do if he continues to handle the ball pretty well and distribute it and then get his open shots and knock them down when it's, when it's time, that to me allows your other two dynamic backcourt guys in Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson to not have to create so much solely by themselves. In other words, if, if, John, if, you have, if you're a defense and you have to pay attention to John Michael and then whenever you dump it down low, that allows Avery and Bryce to become more of an attack-minded guard or wing getting to spots without the ball in their hands so that when they catch it, now you've got a defender on his heels, that that sort of thing. Because it's hard for any team, especially in the Big 12, when you're asking one player uh, who's not named Cade Cunningham <laughs> to go create on his own when a you know you're going to get into the late shot clock situations with a high ball screen anyway it just happens but in the terms of getting better flow and 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 kind of maneuvering a defense a little bit you need John Michael Wright to kind of be the guy to get it started and then within the flow of the offense those two other guys can really become dynamic 
And that's going to be a process, right? I mean, they had to know that going in based off we're going to be asking him to do something in a different way than what he was doing at High Point. But, you know, for a young man to not only get comfortable in his own right uh, with his own game, but then to understand, hey, your your involvement here also means that Thompson is going to find his groove as well. He's going to become more comfortable because, you know, he – I'm, I was looking, John. Uh, let's see. Thompson shot only 16 threes in the first five games, so he was taking, you know, a low average. Um, but it just seems like he wasn't trying to force it as much uh, as he was at sometimes. But confidence looks like it's there a little bit. Looked like it was there again on Saturday night. So it's it's funny how they all work in tandem with each other, and it all comes down to a guy becoming comfortable in a new surrounding and a new setting and what his new role is. There's no question about it. And then when you mix in – the you know, the way this team needs to operate to really stress some other defenses, you've been talking all season long about going inside out, giving Caleb Boone and or Musa Cisse touches in the low post. I'm not sure how many times John Michael Wright had a big guy at high point that he was dumping it down to either. Uh, and, and back to Bryce for a moment, it's kind of funny. He, when he's not forcing it himself, when he doesn't feel the pressure to go get something on his own, and he comes, you know, in from when he's when he allows the flow of the offense to come to him, he get he becomes so dangerous. And so, you know, he has 19 points the other night, makes five threes. And before I go to the locker room uh, to get interviews, I stand up from the chair, and and Rod, his dad, is is behind me and asks for a second if he can just take a quick snapshot of the final stat sheet. And I, I said sure. And I said, well, you got to be happy with all those assists. And he goes, oh yeah. Because, you know, Rod being the former point guard and everything, and, and as far as the team was concerned, the assist numbers, and he said, you know who his shooting coach is? And I just rolled my eyes. And I said, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Rod's the best. That's awesome. Rod is the best. <laughs> and I wouldn't expect anything less from Rod uh, no. in a moment like that. That is uh, that is awesome indeed. All right, uh, let's shift gears, shift gears here for a moment um, and talk uh, a little football as we inch closer to uh, the journey out to Arizona, which doesn't suck, by the way. I'm happy for you, my friend. Thank you. And I know those, uh, I know those clubs will be on the way as well. Uh, <laughs> we've talked a lot today about the overall numbers, right? And I don't think we should be surprised by it, but, but I, I think so far the haul that Oklahoma State's been able to get out of the portal and those guys that have committed, uh, it's been impactful players that have uh, a lot of them have a significant amount of snaps uh, under their belt, which we know that Gundy absolutely loves. But, John, they've, they've been able to plug some, some pretty significant holes here early on in the, in the portal system. They've had to, but, man, they've had some good results so far. Dave has said this um, on more than one occasion, but he said it again when we were just talking before we went on the air Saturday night because you had, at that point, I think you'd picked up a half dozen guys out of the portal. And, you know, he said, you know, that he maintains that the most dangerous Mike Gundy is a cornered Mike Gundy. And it's, it's based on how the season kind of developed this year because then you go back to remember how 2012 kind of had a similar sort of feel to it. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next season, um, you're a Justin Gilbert dropped interception in Bedlam away from maybe playing for the whole thing. Uh, then you go to 2014 when you got off to similar to this year where you got off to the great start and then had problems up front 
uh, blocking guys, and you had Dax Garman having to be in at quarterback, and it just kind of had that that real feel, and all of a sudden you burn Mason Rudolph's red shirt, and you go out into this same bowl game, basically, and, and you beat Washington, and the next year you win your first 10 games. So, you know, it's not a – I don't think you can say that the exact same thing is going to happen next year, but I do know this, that there's been a very aggressive mentality, and you have landed some difference makers. Stribbling, the wide receiver from Washington State – could be a huge addition, and you know I'm probably bearing the lead because, as you well know, Jeremy, Justin Wright and Anthony Goodlow are two outstanding defensive yeah. players, and they bring you the uh, experience and uh, the motivation to prove that they can do it at that level too. And so that's uh, it, it's been really good so far. So they've got seven out of the portal, and then they pick up the U.S. Army All-American kid who is a center out of Friendship, Wolfer Friendship, Texas. He committed today, so maybe there's a little bit of the you know some of these kids may may see wow they they've got some guys out of the portal. Let's go ahead and get on board with this too. The other one that's interesting, and I haven't seen anything, I haven't really looked for it today, is Armstrong, the quarterback out of Virginia, who ironically has has visited Wisconsin as well as as OSU. He's got one season of eligibility left and OSU didn't they, they they weren't in the portal looking for someone who's got a bunch of eligibility because they they like Garrett Rangel they really like Flores the the kid out of Nebraska who's committed and but but if you get Armstrong you get the one year that's kind of a stabilizing thing and uh you know could end up being a dynamic guy for if you get him now some people say well do you really need him well I mean, listen, your starting quarterback this last year was hurt. And, you know, th- th- those yeah. things tend to happen. I, yeah, anyone that's asking, do you really need him? I mean, man, I don't know where you've been at as of late to see what happens sometimes with uh, with quarterback depth on this, but I would say yes. And that, that situation so so weird anyway, right? That and, and then you complicate it even more. Right with the fact that Nick Evers, who was at Oklahoma, commits up to Wisconsin, and uh, there's still been no word yet on on where Armstrong's ultimately going to make his final uh, decision and and his final destination is going to be. But that whole scenario is even weird with Nick Evers from OU kind of playing a role in all of this. Yeah, no no question about it. Um, I you know I think that there's significant portal momentum for sure, and then we'll see how everything else shakes out in terms of uh, you know on two days from now when it's it's officially official you know <laughs> it's Dave, one yeah. of dave's longtime buddies from back home in cahoka missouri well that was actually one of his missouri buddies who always call it the final final you know <laughs> that, that we won't know the final final until wednesday the final final uh <laughs> that's that sounds i can hear dave saying that in his mm-hmm. voice right now uh at 525 all right um did you see that play in the Raiders game yesterday? I saw it after the fact, and um, actually... Where does that rank of the dumbest things that you've ever seen and weirdest things at the same time? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it is. it's right up there. It's right up there. I mean, the Jim Marshall play with the Vikings where he forced the fumble into the quarterback and ran the wrong way. Ran the wrong way. You know what, though? I mean, you get spun around on the field and you're trying to make a play, and, okay, that's a famous one. But, look, that was 
that was just pure effort from him, and he just lost his place on the field. That wasn't making a conscious decision in a tie game to do something. I, I, my opening comment on the Blitz last night was about that. If you've ever played, like, pickup football with your buddies and you're just out in the yard doing whatever, then you can identify with this. But the old axiom of don't throw it late down the middle applies even if you're throwing it backward to your own teammate. Uh, that and, and your description of poor Mac Jones and what ended up with him was uh, was right on the money. Gosh, you got to feel sorry for a guy like that. And you know, I can't. NFL Films does a great job of miking up coaches and players. Oh boy, what I wouldn't have given to have Belichick miked up for that, and we get to see it and with with John Facenda's, you know. The late John Fitzsimmons' <laughs> voice setting the stage for all of this, and then it just—it's like, you know, the kazoo that—that's almost out of power. You know, at the end, I—I I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, but you know, seriously, I don't know if anyone's been able to pull Mac Jones out of that hole yet that Chandler Jones put him <laughs> in in the ground. He might still be in the stadium right now. I—I just—I just imagined him trying to pick himself up off the turf and like, what in the world just happened? How did we lose this game? Hey, you know, this is what's great about sports, though. That play was not great, but on the same day, you had the and and look, you know me, I I don't come on here and start talking Premier League. You know, I don't know PSG's roster, although I do know a couple of guys who are pretty good that play for him. Uh, but you had the absolute brilliance in Qatar or Qatar in the final, juxtaposed by one of the most <laughs> brainless. I mean, think about it. I mean, you cannot get any more disparate no. between those two things. No, you can't at all. You you can't at all. The scenes from Buenos Aires, by the way, were just phenomenal. Mm. And it it just gives, you know, if you might not be the biggest soccer fan of the world, it gives you a little peek into what it means to certain countries and to see, what, 200, 300,000 people outside and just absolute celebration, grown men in tears, uh, was was wonderful, and that was that was one of the more incredible sports moments in general, let alone final games of the World Cup. How about just in general that I can remember in a long time? That was spectacular from start to finish, on the edge of my seat, and just when you thought that it was going to go one way, it would completely turn and go the other direction. Uh, bravo, because you got to see that game played at such a high level by the best players in the world, and I don't think you could ask a better way to end a sporting event in general. Oh, and, and Pop, you were a goalie, right? Uh, no, I was no? a uh, I, I I was a uh, sweeper slash center back. I played outside uh, outside a little bit as well, but mainly in the center. Okay, well, my my apologies. It was not a not a slam, but I was about to ask you how many saves that you or anyone that's played the game were able to make the way that Argentinian goalie made when it was three all. Oh gosh, man, I'm I'm here to tell you like that is one of the greatest kick saves that we've ever seen. And, <sighs> and, and especially in that moment, John, that moment where it can all uh, like the, the, the fate of your entire country is just bearing down on top of you to just try to make sure, make sure that we can get to PKs, save this at all costs there. Yeah. I, I, in a moment like that, I don't know if we've ever seen a bigger save. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, just unbelievable. Um, of course, there's about ten things that you could say about that game <laughs> that, quite frankly, were unbelievable uh, indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Have a good uh, ca- uh, sports cast tonight. I almost said call. That'd be weird. Have a good call tonight, John. <laughs> be good on the prompter, buddy. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But uh, have a uh, have a good uh, sports tonight, and uh, we'll definitely check in with you again. Now, I'll uh, tomorrow, I know you guys are going to end early, but let's just uh, reconvene this at a different point uh, later on since we have an early broadcast game tomorrow. That way uh, you can have a good rest of your afternoon after you finish up with your responsibilities tomorrow. That sounds good. Thanks, Pop. All right. Thanks, man. That's uh, John Holcomb joining us here on the Blitz 1170. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next here on the Blitz. That's Matt Hubbard, and I'm Jeremy Poplin. Thank you for tuning in and listening via the Blitz 1170 app. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.